Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. Today's message from Joel Nagel continues the summer Treasuring God series and is called Treasuring Hope. We are, uh, the message today is called Treasuring Hope. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, um, you know, there's the Bible apps on the phone, and that's cool. And maybe this is old school of me, but I feel like um, ha- uh, bringing a Bible and having a Bible is awesome. So if you want to follow along with a paper Bible, we have free Bibles up there if you want to grab one, because uh, we are going to spend some time in some scriptures. And they're not going to be up on the screen, um, because I just think it's so important for us to actually look at God's Word. You can Sometimes when you have your Bible open, and this is where I think... This kind of Bible beats a phone Bible, is you'll see a scripture ahead or, or behind. You'll start to memorize where things are in your Bible. Um, it's such a good thing. And so uh, let me just give you a little old school rant there uh, for a hot second, um, and now we'll get into it. So let's talk about hope today. We're talking about all these things that we uh, treasure, uh, that God has given us uh, over the summer here. And, uh, and today I want to focus on hope. I think we all have these unforgettable moments in our lives. And really, our lives are just made up of moments. Some good, some bad. Here's something I'll never forget. Um, I had a friend in high school who died suddenly. He had like a heart condition that no one knew about. He didn't know about it, and so he just died. And it was so sad. You know, the whole high school came together, and and we're at the funeral. Um, And I had never met his, his mom or dad. But right at the casket, his mom was there. And, and you can imagine how just horrific this must have been for her to suddenly lose her son. But I'll never forget, she was there at the casket with tears in her eyes, but the biggest smile. And she's giving these huge hugs, and she's greeting every student who's coming up and telling, telling them that it's going to be okay, that, you know, and, and encur- she is like the most encouraging person in the whole room during this funeral. I'll never forget that. I want to talk about this underrated superpower today, and that's the power of hope. I think we discount hope. You know, we've, we've even got scriptural uh, reason to do it. If we read the scriptures the wrong way, the greatest of these is lo- faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is love. We're like, ah, faith and hope. Who needs that? I've got love. No, um, the greatest of these is faith, hope, and love. And so hope is there. It's among the greatest things. We discount it when we should be treasuring hope. It's like this commodity, and I'm going to explain this as we get into this, that can be held onto and it can even be given to others. It's such a special, treasured thing. I think a lot of times hope is something we don't see the value of until we begin to be hopeless. Our hope tanks get empty, and then we're like, what? And then you realize, oh, I still have, I have nothing, but I still have some hope. And then we're like, oh, my goodness. Hope's the most valuable thing that there is. So I want to just start with this question. Do you treasure hope? 
Do you see how having hope can change your whole life? I'll put this scripture up for us. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I'll give you time to turn there if you want so you can see what's ahead of it, behind it. Verse Thessalonians 4, verse 13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And so Paul's talking about people in the Thessalonian church who have died. And he's saying, hey, you know, we're going to grieve, but the way that we grieve is different than other people because we have hope. Hope is the difference maker. And I think, you know, having hope when, when you're going through hard times, it doesn't mean you don't cry when things are sad. It doesn't mean that you're some kind of like Christian robot who ignores what's going on. You're like, I am a Christian, this will be fine. That is not hope. That's a problem. Hope, hope is the ability to tap into something greater than the circumstances around you, greater than the situation, greater than what you can see. It's the ability to take our struggles all the way to the top. And when we do that, it changes how we act. It changes how we react in situations. You know, how do you handle setbacks or struggles? Maybe you've had some struggles this week, some hardship. Do you handle it like somebody who has hope or somebody who has no hope? You know, one of my roles um, as the lead minister of the church here is to help us to be a gospel-fluent church. That means we speak the language of gospel. We see the world with gospel vision. And so I say what I'm about to say a lot in a lot of different ways, but I'm going to say it again. This is gospel. That God created everything, including us. That we sinned, each and every one of us, and we cause the suffering that we see in our world because of sin. But God made a way to be fully just, to punish those sins, but also to be fully gracious, to forgive those sins by giving Jesus the punishment that we deserve. That's called redemption. And although we're saved, although that plan has been fulfilled, that Jesus died so that we could be redeemed, we still live in a sin-filled world. But our hope, the last part of the gospel, is that Jesus will come back and make everything right. That's restoration. And so when we talk about hope today, we're talking about parts three and four of the gospel. We're talking about redemption and restoration. That's our great hope. If you haven't been redeemed, then your only hope is that you could be redeemed. And that's a great hope. But I want to encourage you to read your Bible, study the Bible with us. Get your sins washed away in the waters of baptism as you connect with the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have been saved, if you have been redeemed, then your life should be filled with all kinds of hope. Hope is the game changer for Christians. It's the all-star that we all too often leave on the bench. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, watch the movies, read the novels, all the comics, all the things. All the things, okay? Um, 
And there's something really cool. When you get into Star Wars, there's lots of cool things in Star Wars and lots of really not cool things. It's very nerdy. But um, every good character in Star Wars uses the word hope. Like, you, like when you first meet it, you might not know if they're good or bad. If they use the word hope, you know that their, their arc is going to be good. Bad characters never use the word hope. What's the first movie called? A New Hope. It's all about the good and the hope go together. All right, turn to Hebrews chapter 6 before I continue to talk about Star Wars. And we're going to read a large section here, starting in verse 11. We were uh, in Florida earlier this week and listening to lessons, and, and I'll be honest, like I, some, during some of the lessons, I just started to zone out and dream. Like I'm just taking notes. You still hear the guy speaking, but I'm, I'm taking notes and dreaming. And So if that happens while I'm reading this passage or at some point during the sermon, go for it. Like If you just start hoping in the middle of this, that's better uh, than, than whatever I could present. So, but let's read this. It's, this is all about hope, and it's so beautiful. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, it says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those through faith and pa- who through faith and patience inherit promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. I love that, just to explain that. Uh, you know how people will say, well, I swear to God, or like kids will be like, I swear to God. What? God can't say that, right? <laughs> like, I swear to me. Um, and so <clears throat> that's, that's what the Hebrew writer is, is referencing here. So he says, so, but he did. He swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. He believed when God swore. Uh, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. Or we might say like a contract is the final word. God enters into a contract with us. It's amazing. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And if you don't know who Melchizedek is, check it out. Read, Google it. Look, at, There's just a cool trail throughout the whole Bible of this crazy name, this guy, Melchizedek. Um, it's Jesus, by the way. I gave it away. Okay. Um, and so, but I love this. This passage is just oozing with hope. Hope, it says, is the antidote for a sluggish faith. Has your faith been sluggish? You think, well, I'm just not having enough quiet times, or I haven't been open enough. Maybe you just haven't been hoping enough. Have you lost that? That hope, that belief that God, he swore by himself that he would love you, that he would save you. Have you forgotten about hope? You know, even the way that we talk about hope doesn't really line up with what the Bible says about hope. Like when we talk about hope, we're like, well, I hope. Like it's, it's that emoji. 
I hope. It's like a coin toss. Like if my kids say, hey, Dad, <laughs> this is terrible. Are you ready? Um, hey, Dad, I hope we can get ice cream tonight. And I'm like, we'll see. We're not getting ice cream. <laughs> if I say, we'll see. I just don't want to let them down right now. I don't want to have that talk. Uh, it's not going to happen. That, I think we think about hope like that with God, and God's a much better father than me. Uh, we think that, like, we're like, well, we'll see. You know, I hope, but probably not. There's not a probably not. There's not a maybe. It's a yes, it just hasn't happened yet. That's what hope is in Christ. So much so that the Hebrew writer describes it as an anchor. You've been feeling tossed around lately? Crazy stuff happens and you freak out? Well, what's your anchor? Of course you're going to get tossed around if you don't have the anchor. And the Bible tells us that hope is an anchor when the storms of life hit. You know, when I think about the role of hope in my life, um, I think I actually do pretty good with the big challenges. Like when crazy stuff, like really crazy, I'm like, we're going to be okay. Um, it's going to be fine. Um, and I, like, I, got the, I got the hope on the big things. Um, and that kind of drives my wife crazy. She's like, why are you not freaking out right now? I'm freaking out for the both of us. What's going on? Um, I'm like, nope, we're, it's going to be fine, sweetheart. It's going to be fine. Uh, but then in the little things, day to day, that's when I struggle. That's when I lose it. I, I get tense. I get stressed out. That also drives Beth crazy, by the way. Uh, like, why are you freaking out right now? Everything's fine. We're a good match for each other. I think when things are like clearly out of my control, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just hope in God. What else can I do? But when I have even just like one ounce of control in the situation, the little stuff, I have become a perfectionist. I have these expectations, and I go crazy. I need to rely less on me and more on hope. Maybe you're with me on that, okay? All right, let's talk about hope as currency. All right? Uh, so on, uh, on our currency, U.S. dollar says, in God we trust. That's a perfect reminder for us to trust God and not the money that we spend. Uh, but nowadays, things are confusing. There's more currency out there than ever before, right? I do not understand these things, but there's Bitcoin and there's crypto. And I, I don't know. I think all I know is it's not doing real great right now. That's what I've heard. But it's doing well enough that if you bought pizza with a Bitcoin like 10 years ago, you still are riddled with regret because you made a big mistake. Um, did, did you know that hope is like a currency? It's, it's not like, I don't think it's like Bitcoin or crypto uh, or even a US dollar. It's more like a gift card. Okay, you have, I have like a couple like emergency gift cards. I've got like a Subway gift card and a Starbucks gift card. Like if everything else fails in the world, um, I, I know I can get a coffee and a six-inch ham and cheese, okay? Um, they're, they're there. They're there for me. You know, I get my, my dad, for every occasion, I get him a Tim Hortons gift card because he's good for it. He's going to use that gift card. He's going to get a double-double, two cream, two sugar. That's what he does with his Tim Hortons gift card. Um, what if you had, a, had a, instead of those kinds of gift cards, a gift card of hope, like something that could remind you Something on your person that could remind you, hey, I don't have much. The wallet's empty. My tank is empty. My heart feels empty. But I've got, I'm holding on to hope. I've got this. 
Maybe you think, well, can I use it on Amazon? No, you can't use it on Amazon. But I wonder if we could see hope as the true gift that it is. It is like a gift card. How much that would change things for us day to day, and especially in the big struggles that we face from time to time. Because here's what's so cool about that. It's not just for us. If we see hope as currency, then we become hope merchants. Because we have, we, when we have hope, and we really believe it, we know we have hope. We're never hopeless because of God. We can give hope away to others, knowing that we won't run out. It's one thing to like remember, okay, I've got hope. It's not hopeless. Man, how powerful is it when you find someone else who is feeling hopeless, who's feeling lost, discouraged, down, and you can give them some of your hope, which is really God's hope, the greatest hope of all. You can give the gift of hope. We, we can fight back against the chaos and craziness. We can be these little refuges like, like lighthouses, shining a light. Maybe it's just a faint light. Like, I don't have much hope, but I've got this little light. And it's so much better than the darkness. We can be the people who say, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. I know you can't see it right now, but God has a plan. Look in Romans chapter 8 with me. I'm going to read another just hope-filled passage. Do you guys know the Bible had this much hope in it? Like, I feel like we really discount it. Romans 8, we're going to read um, 18 through the end of the chapter here. Paul writes this, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And so we talked about gospel, and that first of all, God created everything, but then we sinned, and we think, well, our sin hurts us, but this, Paul's saying, sin hurts everything. The trees, the bugs, the, the birds, it, it hurts the whole world, and the whole world is actually hoping to see the restoration that God has promised. It goes on, he says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, We wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That's such a hopeful thing to say right there. For those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's some gospel right there. What then shall we say to these things? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or whatever you're going through, as it is written, for sake for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You feeling hopeful? <laughs> our great hope that everything is going to be okay is rooted in the most not okay thing that ever happened in the history of our world. We arrested God's son, had a false trial, beat him up, mocked him, in our arrogance nailed him to a post so he could die in public shame. Anybody observing that event in real time, we look back on it 2,000 years later and we know the story. But if you were there that day, you would probably say that if you were a Christ follower, your hopes just got dashed. But we know that the story didn't end on Friday. Jesus rose, and, and, I, and I talked about, you know, what if we had this thing on our person, this thing with us that could remind us of the hope that we are guaranteed? What if we had that? And Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have the Holy Spirit. And that's what this passage talks about. Hope and the Holy Spirit are so linked. We have His Spirit with us. And it says even when we forget that, when we, when we start to feel hopeless, it's groaning along with all of creation. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to say. I'm, even if you start a prayer saying, God, I feel hopeless. I know what that guy said at church this morning, but I feel hopeless. The Spirit will groan and talk to God on your behalf. Now that's a gift card. Not a card in our wallets, but the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Hope groans. It doesn't give up. It longs. Hope doesn't complain. It might lament sometimes. If you don't know the difference between a complaint and a lament, along with Melchizedek, those are some good things to study out. Hope doesn't just cry. It cries out to God. We've been indwelled. Indwelled with a living hope. Very Spirit of God. I love uh, how Paul talks about, he says, uh, if you could see hope, then it wouldn't be hope anymore. And isn't that where we're like, if I could just see your plan, God. God's like, ah, da, da, da. if you could see my plan, we're not hoping anymore, right? There's no faith. Uh, that's not how this works. That's not what that is. 
Uh, if you want to flip a couple, um, or you can read on the screen here a couple chapters earlier, in Romans 5, Paul talks about hope here again. There's so much hope in the book of Romans. In verse 3, he says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you see that how hope and the Holy Spirit are connected there? You know, one of the reasons that we suffer is so that we can ultimately see hope produced in our lives. Hope is the end goal. Like we, we discount hope. We don't think about hope very often. But it's actually, when you go through this chain here, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope is the goal. That's how big of a deal it is. That's how much we should treasure. And what's so awesome is, as I said, it's not just for us. We need hope as a community. Hope spreads. You know, I've seen it in, in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. In the hardest times, hope has this miraculous way of going viral. You know, even the ancients treasured hope. There's this amazing psalm. I want to look at this uh, last passage here in Psalm 126. Even before Jesus came and showed us how God was going to redeem the world and gave us a better picture of what restoration really looked like, there was hope. God's people have never been without hope and never will be. It says this in, in Psalm 126. Um, and this is, this is uh, the, the people of Israel singing. Uh, they were taken from Jerusalem into captivity. Can you imagine being taken from your home? Your whole family, everything moved a thousand miles away because you were conquered by some other empire. And you thought you were God's people. How could this happen? But they never lost hope, even in a very hopeless situation. And after 70 years, they came back to Jerusalem and they sang this song. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. The streams in the Negev are like those flash floods you see. Like it's bone dry. And then there's so much water, it's destroying houses. It, like that's how God restores fortunes, okay? Uh, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy, the hope in them. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaths with him. What a beautiful song. That's the song. That's the kind of song we sing after we've hoped, when we didn't give up. You get to sing like that. You know, I don't know what's threatening your hope right now. I don't know what's been holding you captive, like they were captive in Babylon. But I know, I know from the scriptures that God has a plan. He's got a plan for me, for you, for every single person on this planet, all of his creation even. Wherever you are right now, there's hope that you can be with God. And so if you want, if you need it, you can borrow a little hope from me. You can borrow a little hope from one of your brothers and sisters here. We've got plenty to go around. 
And to be honest, I really feel like even over the past few weeks with our church, I feel like hope has been rising in the church. And that's the Holy Spirit right there. He's working. So we're going to take communion in a moment. Um, And I want you to think about this passage again that we just looked at in Romans chapter 5 as it relates to Jesus. Scripture doesn't specifically mention Jesus. But think about this. You know, most of the suffering that we endure is suffering that we bring upon ourselves. Or that our world, which is filled with sin, brings into our lives. That wasn't the case for Jesus. If there was one person who didn't need the suffering to produce the endurance, to build the character, to give hope, it was Jesus. And yet at the same time, if there's one person who suffered more than anyone else, it's Jesus. So when you look to Jesus, you've got the greatest hope. There's no hope like the hope we find in Jesus. As you take communion, I want you to think about the cross. Suffering plus the Holy Spirit equals hope. And I know that maybe you're suffering right now, but suffering plus the Holy Spirit equals hope. And as we said, not just hope for you, but how can your hope, you relying on the Spirit through that suffering, can produce hope that can help other people who need it. That's an incredible power we have. That's the power we have when, like Jesus, even in suffering, we treasure hope. Amen? Let's pray and we'll take communion. Uh, Lord, I, I want to thank you so much for your scriptures, uh, for just, just this reminder that we are never fully lost. The lights are never totally turned out. We're never in the darkness because there's always hope through Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, I transport myself in my mind to that moment, God, where Jesus was dying on the cross and, and, uh, and it was there, darkness came over the land. In such a dark moment, and Jesus cried out. And yet in that moment, that's our greatest, our greatest hope was forged on that cross. It's, it, it means that no matter what we suffer, No matter how we're feeling, we're never abandoned. And we thank you so much for that hope. I pray that no matter what we might be feeling right now, uh, the things that are heavy on our hearts as we take this communion, that we could remember that, that you were willing to suffer. Your son was willing to suffer broken body, poured out blood, so that we could be saved, that we could have hope, uh, that we could, that creation and even our lives could be restored in the most amazing way. That's our hope. May we never lose it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. Thank you.